If you have a Bible, you might like to turn to Luke's Gospel just for a moment or two. And if you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. Then just please sit back, relax, and listen if you don't have a Bible at hand. But if you do have one, turn with me to Luke and uh, chapter 22. So we're just going to, um, as a church, we've been looking at the theme of, of the story. The story is looking at Luke and Acts in the form of like a book club. And we're hearing messages from people saying that as we're looking through Luke and Acts, whether it's in a home group or at Costa or a coffee group or two or threes in a group, we're hearing amazing messages and testimonies of people that are meeting different people, whether it be at work, uh, whether it be down in, in, in Long Island at Costa or wherever it might be. Different, and people who, who never would have known each other beginning to meet together. It's really been exciting hearing. So we're just going to go back into Luke and just highlight something. And so this morning going to look at the fact that Jesus prays for you. I want to say to you that you are, uh, as, as we've been led this morning, that you know it's only Jesus. And it's through Jesus, as Andrew was leading us and the worship team were leading us, that it's, it's he is the one. And you're not on your own. As Andrew said, that you are so loved by God, so loved by Jesus Christ. I want to say to you this morning, you are not on your own. God absolutely loves you. And Jesus Christ is praying for you. With you and for you. And I just want to look at that just for a few moments this morning. And then we're going to just respond to that And uh, as we look at this together. So it's in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 32. And if you don't have a Bible, then just listen to this. But if you do, then turn with me. Reading from the NIV, and it reads like this, verse 31. reads, And Jesus turned round to the disciples and he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. He says, I, but I, Satan has asked to sift you all like wheat. And then Jesus says this, but I have prayed for you. I want to look at three things very briefly this morning. First of all, number one, Jesus said to Simon and the disciples, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. I want to speak about, for a few moments, sifting seasons. It's a tongue twister if you ever was one. Try and say that quickly, sifting seasons. I want to speak just for a few moments about the seasons of life where it's as if we're being sifted the challenges of life, and uh, we're going to look at that. And then secondly, we read in this text that during those sifting seasons or challenges of life, we can be assured of this, that Jesus prays for us. That's the second thing that we'll look at in a moment or two. We're not left just to circumstance. You're not left on your own, although you might be feeling like it right now, but Jesus Christ prays for you, and he wants to be in your life. And then finally, um, he says in there, um, strengthen your friends and how we can be strengthened to be a strengthener. Third and final thing that I want to mention uh, that we're going to look at together. So first of all, um, life's sifting seasons. On the background to this story that I've just read, these few few, um, verses, um, it's based around the Last Supper. We're coming up to Easter and we'll be looking at this idea of Jesus having his last meal 
before his crucifixion. And at the Last Supper, it was a, a mixed with anticipation and sadness as he began to share with his friends in a meal together that he would no longer be with them, that he would be going to his death. And he would try to explain to them about being raised to life as well. And so this is the background. And in the midst of all of that expectation and impending sadness, um, Jesus and the disciples start to argue about who would be the, the one that would be seated at the right hand or the right place. And there's a bit of an argument going on for position. And then into that, Jesus, on the back of that experience, on the back of that anticipation, on the back of that expectation, on the back of his impending sense of going to the cross, being um, taken to the cross, and the disciples arguing together, then Jesus says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Jesus could see something that was coming and knew what was ahead, but was saying that I am going to stand in the gap for you. You know, in life, there are sifting seasons. There are moments in our lives and there are periods of time in our life where it's as if we're being sifted. Uh, When Jesus said there, um, Satan has sought to sift you as wheat, in the East at that time, when a harvest of wheat was brought in and it was picked, what they would do is with the actual, uh, actual, the, the wheat heads had around the actual wheat would be kernels or husks. And so what would happen, it would all be picked, it would be basically in a big pile, and then someone would come with like a winnowing fork and dig into it and throw it in the air, and dig into it and throw it in the air, and dig into it and throw it in the air, and dig into it and throw it in the air. In other words, it was given a right good shake-up and then thrown into the air, and then the hot breeze at the time would blow the husks away, leaving the wheat. It was a sifting. And what Jesus is sharing here with the disciples is that a seizing of sifting would come. They would be so shaken in their faith as if they would be dug up and thrown in the air. Their lives would be dug up and as if thrown into the air. And the hot breath of hell would come. And circumstance would come their way that you wouldn't know whether they were coming or going. Their faith was going to be shaken. Absolutely stirred and shaken. And there are seasons in your life and my life and everyone's life where our lives get shaken. The things that we believe in, the things and people that we hold dear, the job that we had, or the health that we always took for granted, or the relationship that we have. And there are aspects of our lives where circumstance can come and it can really, as it were, shake it to the core. And this is what Jesus was talking about, a season of sifting. And you could probably say to me, tell me about it. Right now, I'm going through, you could be saying, a circumstance in my marriage or my home or my life or my health or my lack of health or whatever it might be or circumstance at work. Maybe. And so Jesus shared this sifting season that was coming their way. And uh, he said that Satan, Satan is the accuser, the devil. Sometimes it can be Satan. It can be devilish. There is the accuser of the brethren. There is the opposer or enemy of the church. In the Bible, he's referred to as Satan. Sometimes it can be circumstance, the circumstance of this world. Things just go wrong in life. And it, sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes it is the devil. Sometimes it's circumstance. Things going wrong in our lives. And sometimes it's self-inflicted. 
we make a, a, a mistake or a judgment or I do something and I can't blame the devil and I can't blame circumstance, but it was a decision that I made or something that I did that causes my life to go into a bit of turmoil. So there's aspects of the areas of my life where we can go through a shake-up in my life and your life. Now, during that time of shaking, and you know there have been a number of seasons, and, and, and for us all, and there will be, there's a number of things that happen. You know, we can go through, there's a number of things. Fear is one of the first things that comes our way. Fear, the fear of, of things going wrong, the fear of failure, you know, um, God, you're failing me. You know, where's God in all of this? Maybe it's the, 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 fear, the failure of friends. Where are my friends in the, in the aspect of this? You know, fear can really kick in. There's a cycle. There's a cycle in the season of shaking. It starts off with a sense of fear. Then it's a sense of uh, failure. God's failed. My friends are failing me. What about those around me? I failed. Maybe, maybe you've done something where you feel that you have failed. You've let God down. God's let you down. Someone in the family has let me down. I don't know. I mean, for Peter, Jesus is warning him. Peter would swear. Peter swore to say that he denied Jesus a number of times. He reached a real point of a sense of personal failure. You know, in that fear, failure, there's a pattern developing in that season of shaking. You'll get it. I'll get it. Fatigue sets in. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, you feel worn out. You know, when you're really anxious about something, when life is unraveling, you're being shaken to the very core. I I know what it's like myself to be in those circumstances. I'm human, like the rest of us. I am. Yeah, I pinch myself. I am. I'm human. So life can unravel for me and you. And in those moments, we can feel absolutely burnt out, worn out. Pulled apart. Anxiety actually literally means to be pulled literally apart. Whether it's stress with your job or in your family or your work or your health or whatever it may be. Or that you feel that you've let someone down or God down. Fear, failure, fatigue. And then something happens. Fallout usually occurs. Fallout in the sifting cycle um, can be that I give up. Jesus was... Speaking into Simon's heart, warning him, but there's an encouragement coming in a moment, warning him that, and in that sense of fear, failure, fatigue, it's not a definitive list, but it's a bit of a cycle of the sifting seasons that we go through when our faith is challenged and our our lives are shaken. There comes a place, finally, of fallout. We either give up or we get filled with guilt. If I blow it, if I fail, I get guilt ridden. I think for Simon Peter, He would have been guilt-ridden when he denied Jesus. That's why Jesus appears to him in John's gospel in a very special way and says, dear love me, dear love me, dear love me. And he revealed his love to Peter in a way that really forgave and he felt so forgiven and healed in his heart and mind. But so we give up. And so some of us, you may be here this morning feeling guilty. You've either let somebody down, someone in your family, someone in your, you love very much or you've let God down or God's let you down and guilt sits in or we give up. We throw in the towel, we stand back, we park up. It's understandable through the sifting season in our hearts and in our lives when we get shaken. And Satan would shake Peter and the disciples' faith to the point that he wanted them to fall away. Just like as it was thrown into the air, the husks would fall away. 
He was looking for Peter to absolutely fall away. And for you and me, and in my own heart and life, there's been those sifting seasons. And perhaps this morning, you're going through a season right now. Perhaps this morning, you are entering or in that season right now. And to this, our second point is this. But then Jesus says this. You know, whether you're a Christian or not, no matter how good or how bad we are, we will all go through lives where our lives are turned upside down from time to time. But then... Jesus says this to Peter, and this is the good news. This is what we can know. He says this to Peter, but, but I have prayed for you. I want to say to you this morning, you're not on your own. Jesus ever lives to pray for you and me, to be strengthened in our faith. You might feel on your own, and I know when I go through trials and circumstance, you feel as if you're the only one. There's nothing like meeting with some other people and some other people saying to you, I've experienced that, I felt this, that happened to me in my marriage or that happened to me in my job. And then you think, oh, I'm not the only one after all. Because when you're going through it, you think you're the only one. But I want to say to you and I, and I'd say, say to myself, but Jesus prays for us. We are not on our own. God wants to be in your life. Jesus Christ wants to be in your life and my life. He is ever living to pray and intercede and be with you. You know, we may go through something. We may even feel that we go under. And I'm going to I'll say this. There will be times in our lives where as a Christian we will go through something that will absolutely shake us and unravel us to the core. And we will maybe even get to that point where we actually go under. God forbid, we say. And some of us maybe are feeling that right now. But Jesus says this, I have prayed for you. I want to say this to myself. I encourage myself with this. He walks with us. And he will lift you back up. Let me just read you a few Psalms. Psalm 23 verse 4 says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It's a Psalm that's often read at a funeral. But it's not just for funerals. This is for life. Even though I walk when I'm shaken to the very core even and my life is unraveling, As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. He wants to walk with you and me this morning. Psalm 23, verse 4. Psalm 3, verse 3. Three Psalms this morning. They're amazing. Psalm 3, verse 3 reads like this. You are my defender, my shield, and lifter of my head. God wants to lift us. Even if we're walking through something, Jesus wants to walk with you, hand in hand, arm in arm, lifting you. But not only that, he will lift our heads. The picture there is of being picked up in his amazing arms. Psalm 3, verse 3, you are the defender and lifter of my head. Final psalm to prove this point. Psalm 103, verse 4, reads like this. Psalm 103, verse 4. He redeems my life. That's God. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, redeems my life from the pit and who crowns me with love and compassion. So when we walk through the valley of the shadow, he wants to walk with us. And when we fall 
and it all unravels and it all goes pear-shaped and the doctor says there's nothing we can do or something happens in our heart and lives and we think, what are we going to do? And we fall into the pit. He will lift us and lift us out of the very pit, it says there. I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Jesus lives forever, then and now, to pray on your and my behalf. Not only then could he pray for Peter and the disciples, but now, today, because he lives forevermore, he died and was raised from the dead and went to be with the Father and and said the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can be in you too. If you believe in me through the power of the Holy Spirit, What he prayed then, I have prayed for you. He lives to pray for you and I now. He lives to intercede. In Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 to 25, we read these amazing words about how Jesus prays for you and I, even today. Even today. Hebrews 7, verse 24 to 25. It reads like this in the New International Version. But because Jesus lives forever... He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Why? Because he always lives to intercede for them. That's you and me and anyone else who believes in him. He lives forever to always intercede. He's praying for you if you'll let him. He will always pray for you if you'll let him. Same verses. Let me quote them to you. Just with this, we'll be closing in a moment. In the Amplified Version of the Bible. So same verses, different translation now. So I'm going to read you something you might not have in front of you. But this is from what's called the Amplified Version. Hebrews 7, 24 to 25, reads like this. Therefore, he is able to save forever. And in brackets, it says, completely, perfectly, for eternity, Those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede and intervene on their behalf. Jesus always lives to intercede and intervene. He doesn't just talk, but he touches our lives. He wants to intervene in your circumstance and my circumstance. Wow! He prays for us. And with us, he wants to pray for you and with you. You know, when you run out of energy and I have run out and my life is unraveling and I don't know what to pray and I don't know what to believe to pray, don't panic because it says there, he lives to pray for you. That's pretty amazing. It doesn't matter if I don't believe. He's still praying for you because God made you and loves you. How about that? That's pretty incredible, I think. But even if you haven't got the words to say and you don't know what to pray and you feel like giving up and life is unraveling and you don't feel any faith, how about this? It says that Jesus lives to pray for you. It's incredible. That's the love and grace of God. Not only does he pray for you when it says he intercedes, but he prays with you as well. There are those moments in my life when as I pray, he empowers my prayers, your prayers. So when you pray, he's praying when you haven't got the words for you. And when you pray, he prays with you. It's a win-win situation. It's pretty incredible, actually. And this is what he said to Peter. I have prayed for you and I'll be there praying with you completely forever because I live 
forever. And I have all power. It's pretty incredible and amazing. So we may be strengthened. You are not on your own. You're not left on your own. God wants to be in your life. Jesus wants to be part of your marriage and your home and your job and who you are. And no matter even if you feel that you're in the pit, remember, he will lift you out of the pit. And if you're walking through something right now, then he will walk with you in that veil or shadow, whatever that may be, in your heart and life right at this very moment. And you'll come through the other side, strengthened. Finally, he says this in uh, verse 32 there. He says, and when you are strengthened, when you turn back, strengthen the others. There's a complete turnaround in Peter's life. Jesus could see that as he prayed for him, a supernatural strength would come upon him. He would come through the pit of guilt and fatigue and fear and fallout so that it would follow him. There comes a point when we come through the pit of fear, fatigue and fallout where we continue to follow and walk with him. And Jesus could see that where Peter would be strengthened supernaturally by the presence and power of God. And so he says, when you turn back, strengthen the others. You know, we're called to be strengthened so that we can become a strengthener. Our faith is not just for myself. It's to be given away to others. Your faith, our faith, As when we become strengthened, it's so that you can also be a strengthener. You and I are to be strengthened by God. Not just keep it to myself, but give it away to everyone around us. It's interesting, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? He said this, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he said something else, and your neighbor as yourself. So it's the love that we have to be filled with and empowered with is not just for us, but it's to be given away. And that's how we will be strengthened, strengthened by Jesus Christ himself as he prays for us and strengthened by each other as we reach out to one another. It's amazing. The strength is a body thing. It's a thing that comes from each one towards each one. A lady called Rebecca Pippitt wrote a book some years ago called Out of the Salt Shaker. Out of the Salt Shaker was a book on mission. And it was about how Christians are like salt. The Bible shares that Christians are like salt, salt for the world. And she was basically saying that salt, to be useful and to to taste good, needs to be shaken out of the salt shaker and put on the food. And she was basically saying the same thing. When we're together in church, it's great. But the salt, we're we're in this big salt, we are salt in the salt shaker. But to be out in the world, to be released and encouraging one another and looking out towards a, a person beside me, behind me, in front of me, next to me. And so she wrote this book, Out of the Salt Shaker. It's a it's a classic. She said this, with this I close and we pray. And the worship team are gonna come back. She said this: the presence of Christ brings us. And this is how Peter was strengthened. How about this? The presence of Christ brings us his power and ability to use our limited resources in limitless ways. The presence of Jesus Christ brings you and I his power and ability to use our, my limited resources. And he releases that in limitless ways. We're called to be strengtheners. 
we're not on our own. So when our life seems to feel that it's unraveling, then Jesus is praying for you and wants to pray with you. And he will strengthen you and walk with you and actually pick you up out of the pit that you're in right now. Perhaps some of us need that. Some of us need to feel that he's walking with us right through it right now. Some of us need to feel that he's going to pick us up out of the pit, as it were, right now. So he's going to strengthen you. And as you get strengthened and I get strengthened, is to give that away so that my limited resources can be multiplied and the kingdom of God expand out from my life and become released in his limitless power. Let's pray together. So I'm conscious in an auditorium of this size, there will be people here this morning that really know and love Jesus Christ. There'll be people here not sure what to think about Jesus Christ, all different walks of life. There'll be people here this morning, and for you, life maybe feels as if it's unraveling a little bit. Your faith is being shaken right now. Some of us have come from that shaken time. Some of us are going into situations where it will be shaking. Our faith is being tested. But Jesus says this, I have prayed and I'm praying for you. I pray for you. I want to come alongside you to pray also with you and empower your prayers. So let's open up our hearts for a moment, shall we? Heavenly Father, this morning we open our hearts to you. We invite you to come and have your way. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome. I just pray, Father God, for anyone here right now where life and the challenge and circumstance and family or home or job, it's one thing after another after another and it feels as if everything is being shaken. It's like a sifting has come. So just pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to release your love and your strength and your hope and touch hearts and minds and flow right now. Just pray, Lord Jesus, that you begin to, you will just, people will feel prayed for. I just pray, Father, give individuals, couples, single parents, individuals, young and old this morning, a revelation, an experience that you're praying for them. You're drawing us, Lord. It's only by your power that you draw us to you, Jesus. We could never do it ourselves, but you do. And so I pray, draw us to your presence now. Where people are praying, Father God, and they just run out of the prayers. They don't know what to pray anymore. Would you just pray for them, Jesus? Continue passionately with persistence. That's what it is to intercede. It means passionate, persistent love and a deluge of love and prayer over people's lives and marriages and work and homes and their bodies and whatever's going on right now, Father, just release an experience that we know that you're praying for us. I pray, Father God, that in my simple, humble, feeble cries and the tears that some are, there's some this morning and it's with tears that they will go home and behind closed doors I pray, Lord, that you will empower their prayers. You'll pray with them. Thank you for the promise, Jesus, that you said, I have prayed and I live forever to intercede and pray with you and for you now. Thank you. We receive that right now. So I pray that you'll empower our heartfelt cries. Pray, Father God, that you will release something in the midst of us whereby we will be loosed to strengthen 
those around us, beside us, behind us, near us, who we relate to at work. Holy Spirit, have your way. Let a wave of grace and love like we've never known before as a church be released on us, in us, and through us we pray so that we may strengthen one another. Oh, supernatural God, please do this in Jesus' name. While our eyes are closed, you may be here this morning and you're not sure. You're not sure what it is to be a Christian. A Christian is a Christ one. A Christian is someone that follows Christ. Could be a good person, that's great. Could be a person that prays, that's amazing. Could be a person that maybe reads the Bible, wants to live a good life. These, these are fantastic things. You may be a person that even says, you know, I'm going to go to a church. and that, These are amazing things, they're all good but they don't make you a Christian. A Christian is a Christ follower. Jesus said this to people, come and follow me, because he's alive today. Jesus died and rose again. He, the Bible says, who knew, was no sin and knew no sin, became our sin. Sin is living for me. Sin is living for myself. Simple as that. On the cross, he said to a thief, who believed in him, said, I believe in you, the Son of God. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. He was forgiven. That man would be forgiven that very moment. And so for you and I, forgiveness is in our belief in Jesus Christ as taking my place, paying the price for my sin, but releasing me with his hope and love. It says in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so it is our belief and trust in Jesus Christ as our Master, Lord and Saviour that will grant us life and hope and love and a relationship with Him. So Father God, this morning we open up our hearts to You and say that we love You, we need You, we want You. We give our hearts to You. I believe in You, Jesus. Receive of my heart this morning. I pray a release of love and hope, forgiveness and healing. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? As we sing together, we're going to close. As we sing together this morning, it may be that life feels that it's unraveling a little for you. You may feel the sifting, as it were. But know this, Jesus says, I pray for you, for you and with you. So right now, as we worship, let's open up our hearts, continue to keep our hearts open rather. And let's, as we worship and call upon him, receive his hope and love for our hearts and minds right now.